everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along. It's uh, Season 7, Episode 37 of LOI Central. We're officially sellouts. It's taken us a while, but um, yeah, going to get to that shortly. Uh, as ever, in association with... Didn't take us a while, Johnny. That's the, fucking, <laughs> that's the problem. I was, I was just thinking back then when, uh, as a rabid uh, 15-year-old running a League of Ireland website, I said, I'm never going to write about the Premier League. You know, I'll always be true to the League of Ireland. Get the get English football out of Ireland. Obviously, I did then change my mind. Different but time. I've been a sellout for some time. Um, um, I was actually sending you on um, from the Irish Soccer Magazine a game from St Mel's Park in 2000 yesterday and you were like, I was probably at that, at Lone Nil, Dundalk Nil. I think I was at that game, yeah. Um, it's pointed out to me that two of the Dundalk players have actually passed away since a long time. St Mel's Park is uh, long gone. No Melvin, um, and, no Melvin and Tony Itzy. No, yeah. And there was I last night watching at Lone on very good kind of live um coverage of them against Watford and uh, so we'll talk about that in the new spank new ground but uh, in anyway we are in association with Rascals Brewery in Inchy Core uh, lots of events happening particular event in Rascals Dan coming up I don't know Monday November the 6th been vaguely involved we'll, in we'll that. have some news on that go to the <laughs> there. vaguely involved as well I'm gonna I'm, I have to apologise Dan has done not only the heavy lift and all lifting on this I've done a, I've done about 1% of the work so far lots of events happening at Rascals HQ Inch Core go to their what's uh, um, on page at rascalsbrewing.com for details of upcoming movie nights, uh, concert screenings and all the major sporting matches on big screens. And I just really like to thank Joe and Rascals for his help with uh, our live show and also Decky and Collar and Cuff. Um, and it's been great to see the buzz around it again, Dan, and Future Ticketing who are um, helping out obviously with the sales, which has... On to be clear, we saw we, we saw well. We saw like, well, that's not surprisingly well at all. You see, well, how would you know? You've had literally nothing to do with it. Uh, but the whole point is that you show up on the night. This is the point. I this is I basically just do the heavy lifting now because you are the talent that turns uh, up. No, no, evening. this is bullshit. Your best, your last best year, team. I basically got Stephen Kenny along, right? So I, I am involved in the whole thing. This yeah. year, I you 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 kind of like. You, you enjoy you enjoy work and unless and <laughs> I enjoy work less and less you enjoy you've a great work. attitude to work Dan <laughs> you have to, you really do okay well that's 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 nice but um the the bottom line is because uh, I'm conscious that not everyone is on social channels or on social channels all the time that since our last show we have announced yet that we are we've got Roddy Collins coming along uh, with Trevor Malloy that's going to be one part of the show on Monday November the 6th uh, a bit of a sort of a reunion vibe because they would have worked together at various clubs um well i say various clubs with bows and then at carlisle as well um, roddy was very keen for trevor to come along as well. yeah he was um so then that and we can confirm today the the next part of our show it might be the first part of the show we'll figure out the order it's a 2021 cup final vibe so we've got keith ward and we've got Paddy Barrett. So, I'd just like um, to say I got both of these. I put in all the hard effort to get half of the show. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, to was, be clear, it was fairly straightforward. To be clear, I, I then got both of the numbers. I followed up afterwards, asked Keith, uh, did Johnny give you any of the details? And he said uh, the answer was no. I did. So, well, I, I absolutely well, let's, did. Let's not, let's not have this production um, meeting on, on there. On today's show as well, we have Connor Kern. So um going to have a bit of a goalkeeper team and talk about the... I'm looking forward to hearing um, what happened at the Brandywell. A lot of controversy. Um, so we have a packed show today. But Dan, you're still in you are still in live show mode I am because you, you keep interjecting here's the point right the show sold out very quickly it's, it's upstairs in Rascals um, we are going to be able to put a small amount and I say small it's a limited number of extra tickets on sale if people have missed out we've had a lot of people in touch who have missed out like quite a few people 
Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have. Um, there's obviously great buzz around sort of the, the Pats Bowes final and, and, you know, people are sort of looking forward to getting together in the night and we're looking forward to it. Um, but we have an issue with supply and demand. It's like the League of Ireland season, you know, it's just, just the way things have gone. Um, we would have to get on to... To, to Joe to get you know Thomas Byrne in there and they can build a stand or something you know in Rascals but um, we are going to have a small number of extra tickets to go on sale they're going to go on sale conscious people will listen to this pod probably mainly on Thursday morning um, so we're going to say 12 o'clock on Thursday um, 12 noon 12 noon on Thursday um, so we, we've posted our link it's on our Twitter account it's on our Instagram account um so yeah you're gonna have to move quickly if you want to get those last couple of tickets but yeah thursday at, at noon Um, so yeah we're, we're talking limited amount of tickets so i'd imagine that it'll be a matter of minutes before they are gone Um, but we also today instead of the uh the rascals brewery tour prize we're going to give away two tickets to the show as well so if you have if you have missed out there's a trivia related question um which is uh which is which is sort of topical in the context of a show in fact Last week, let's just let's do our quiz business now before we move on to the mailbag and the business of the week. Last week's question it was your question: Can you name James McLean's first, first club. senior club? Um, and the answer to that is Institute. It's a good question. Um, a little bit of ambiguity over, but it's E McConville anyway was the winner. Um, e McConville is the winner. Um, so I, I feel it might be Sean Grover's fan. So hopefully E McConville yeah. will have a quick, quick rascals tour. For a rascals tour for E McConville. Now, so this week's question, and it's topical in the context. I have to say, Dan, I, 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 I've been racking my brains a little bit, and I don't know the answer. It's a good question. I think people will get this, but I mean, if they get it. Um, it's not something you can easily Google. So we're, you know, mm. kind of, this is a this is exactly the, 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 we're going to get these tickets to the right to the right type of a uh, consumer, you know. Um, but yeah, Trevor Malloy played for all four of the, the big Dublin four um, at senior level, um, which is a select enough club. There's two players, or can people name two players um, who, since the year 2000, have played for all four of the big Dublin clubs but the distinction is these two players or can you name two players not born in Ireland just in case I've forgotten one I don't think I have mm. and the, mm. the, the off chance it was another player not born in Ireland who played for Bowes Shells Pats and Shamrock Rovers since the year 2000 there's definitely two and we'll take any two that apply but I'm pretty sure there's just two so if you can get that to uh, to LOI Central pod on Twitter or on Instagram you uh, you will get. You will go into the draw, and we'll do. A, we'll do a draw ahead of next week's show, and on next week's show, we'll also have two more tickets to give away as well. So there is still two more chances to get tickets if you did miss out. Yeah, we will go to the mailbag shortly. Um, the weekend itself um, was, I think, mainly about. Controversy in da- in Bradywell and Dalymount. You were in Dalymount, Dan. I don't know how this game went ahead, actually. And there wasn't, there wasn't even a pitch inspection. I remember being... All week you were telling me, I'm looking forward to Bowes Pats, looking mm. forward to Bowes Pats, looking forward... Then on Friday, my game was called off. Rovers, Rovers, uh, draw didn't go ahead. I said, I have, to, you know, I have to go and get a game in. I went to Bowes Pats. I was enjoying the game. Texted Johnny afterwards. Where are you? You're looking forward to this game all week. 
Yeah, I, I, well, I was, and then I was doing like Limerick two day race me to Limerick, get up early in the morning, and I was like, I'm going to get back from Daily Mount at something like 11 o'clock in that weather. And I, yeah, I, I was a fair weather fan Friday, so I was on LOI, uh, Central, LOI, LOI uh, TV watching the games. And um, same weekend, Goy Night obviously got uh, the title, uh, got it presented on Friday night. A lot of people asked me, was Johnny the title presentation? I was like, no, he's not that either. He's just no, and fairness, staying that, indoors. That, he's getting old. Uh, there's, a, there's an element of that there's an element of that um, Daily Mount like in fairness it took the rain quite well it was biblical rain they haven't had a game I mean I know we had Tomas Connolly in earlier wasn't in, even in inspection but the penalty spot their drainage is very good so mm. they were across the day there was absolute confidence th- that the game would go ahead and then Pats go ahead and beat uh, Sligo so John Daly is in vogue at the moment Pats are in Sligo vogue Sligo Rovers Johnny please don't Sligo Rovers um, and Bo is all of a sudden yeah we've got we've got mailbag comments on that mm. um, but yeah I think I mean I think on the games I was at a couple of games over the weekend and I watched um, watched a couple as well I wasn't at Pats and Sligo Rovers and I watched the two playoff games last night I know you were watching that alone as well great production by the way um, very enjoyable game actually yeah really really half. good but like the production mm. definitely makes a big difference big like, you know like you know not to be disrespectful to the the Wexford Cove one but just it has that you have this issue with some of the grounds and it's I understand that this is all new you know and, and I know the league have spoken about it before maybe just improving some of the first division services mm. but when you have the commentary box it's very indoors you can't hear anything outside Kerry you have that issue as well too yeah those takes away from it at you've got a sense of atmosphere and like people being sort of um invested you know, like, invest yeah. in it and i think that the crowds have been quite good as well at long relative to where they were a couple of years ago you know well so, they've gone up about eight tenfold maybe yeah um, 15 1600 at the game last night 1400 at their last one but year. anyway to go back to to friday and to bows and pats um i mean again we, we've got a few comments about it and i know like we've spoken recently about not being too impressed by pats in a couple of performances but that was in the context of talking about them as title challengers at that time. Um, but I have to say, I thought on Friday, you know, maybe they've just come over a little bit of a blip where they weren't like firing. And okay, that game could have gone either way. I will say that. Like, Linus I, is very, very good. Adam McDonald had like two big chances after mm. half time, and, and of course, it was one of those games, cliched, where the first goal would be all important. Mm. But Pats, in fairness, when they got ahead, they were better. You know, they really... They saw the game out pretty well. I know a couple of times they defended deep enough in the area. There's a couple of scrambles and, you know, like seven, eight bodies in the box and both James Clark and Dylan Connolly and people trying to like, you know, sort of out of nowhere, like magic sort of situations. But um, they couldn't do it. And Pat's like, you know, you have to say they deserved their win. And I know Monday night... Just a bit looked like I wasn't at this one. I just watched it. Um, there wasn't a lot happening. Like yeah, like it's a funny one. Like that's mm. where, but like that's where you get caught sometimes as well. It's the mm. type we've had the league formally decided by a lot of games like that. And mm. it was a Darien's in Sligo last year. You know where uh, you need to win, but you sort of know. Look, it's probably gone anyway. But you you can mm. understand how that could allow the levels to drop. But they did have Europe to wrap up, and they have wrapped up Europe, and that's the thing. Like. You know, we'll, we'll deal with some specific Pat's comments in the mail. But of course, the other thing to talk about about was Pat's game was Keith Buckley, which is just terrific. Yeah, I mean, yeah, God, like as as someone who's done my ACL in the past, okay, I mean, like let's not conflate the t- things anyway. Um, like y- you always hate it when you see someone, like a really brave player, go up into a tackle, stay down, and then get up and try and hobble. That is all the hallmarks of a bad knee injury because it deceives you. Like you probably think in the moment because you're, you're not okay. in horrific pain no it's it, well it depends it can be different levels of it sometimes mm. you know sometimes people do have pain you've seen like um 
certain knee injuries where you've seen graphic like pain and people like are, are but there are others I remember a guy for Reading years ago around the time I did five one some play on for five minutes with a sonko or something and then there's like you know you hobble off and then then the swelling happens or then and then you hope maybe it was just jarred as Declan Devine was saying afterwards and it can be it can be deceptive um but like when it's such a brave player who doesn't stay down easily and you saw him like he went across the pitch it was like Oh no, like you just had that sense of foreboding about the mm-hmm. whole thing. And I mean, look, it was typical Buckley. Like he was probably the aggressor in the challenge. Like he went in to win the ball, you know, and you like, so it can just be freakish this, you know, mm-hmm. you can analyze it. Yeah, the pitch was probably sticky. What is, what is foot maybe have planted a little bit, but you don't know. Like you'd like, it's easy to say that you can do it on a hard pitch. You can do it on a soft mm-hmm. pitch. It can just happen. The angle of attack. He could do that tackle 50 times and, Pitch was you know, playable. 49 times. No, like, but yeah. that's the thing, but the, the whole thing about knee injury, it's sometimes your yeah. foot just gets stuck at yeah. a comfortable angle, but that can be from a pressure from another player, whatever it can be. Yeah. But it's brutal, it's brutal for him. It's brutal for Bowes, like, because all of a sudden, like, that result for them puts them under real pressure. Like, they have to go and win in Dundalk on Friday mm. to be in control of their league destiny. I actually um, felt uh, Stephen O'Donnell was premature talking them out of Europe after the Talca game, and they, they have a realistic chance if they beat Bowes. They have a chance, like, yeah, if they beat Bowes, you would imagine they would beat UCD the last yeah. day. And then both Bowes, we've got Conor Cairns in today. You'd imagine Shells again should take care of UCD. If they don't, they don't deserve it. I think if mm. either Shells or Dundalk drop points against UCD at this stage of the season, well, lads, then you don't deserve to be fourth. Yeah. You know? But but like if Shells get the job done against UCD, you look, you could have a sort of an interesting situation, interesting, going mm. into the last day where you're, where both. Bowes, who should be Cork, you would think, on the last day, yeah. if Cork were in the playoff at that stage. Bowes and Cork are both relying on Drada to mm. do Shells a favour. And I know Shells have had some famous nights up in Drada in recent years. Um, but, but I mean, Drada, at this stage of the season, you know, a bit of history, a bit of niggle between the sides in recent years. They have the chance to stop Shells finishing in the top four. Now, we don't even know if it means anything. It's all based on Pats winning the cup. Mm. It could be utterly meaningless. But uh, for Bowes, it's it's a really tricky situation. Let's go to the mailbag, Dan. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Yeah, so mailbag. Like, it's busy this week. It is busy. I'm actually going to flip and, and start briefly with Shamrock Rovers because we haven't mentioned them. It's 15 minutes into the show. And again, uh, you know, they, they emphatically dealt with Drada on Sunday. Now, I, I mean, again, I was at it. You got there. You look at the team sheet. I knew Drada were down bodies, but then you, it was almost, no fans. You look no fans, but you look at the team sheet and you're like, oh god, you know this is going to be a struggle. And even within five minutes, it was like you knew. Yeah, mm. I think Drada knew, and, and Trevor Clark scores, and he, like you've Rovers were at it though as well. I mean, mm. okay, like it was a good time to play Drada. There's absolutely no doubt about that. They've had their issues with them, you know, and you take out like key players of the team, but but Rovers still. If you're nervous, you can make that complicated for yourself. You know, the jitters, you could, you know, you could, you could let them kick in. You know, but she tell with Sharp early, Gaffney, Well, Frugia, the first goal as well. It's just that bit of two wing backs with a bit of pace. And like, you've been missing Frugia at times, at critical times this season. Yeah. He just wasn't there. Yeah, it was just a complete mismatch, you know. So, um, I mean, and it's just now a matter of where they officially win it. You know, will it be Friday? Oh, Dan, do you know will what I took from Cork? the game? How, oh, so cool the back of the, the new sand looks. It looks like you're playing a game in Germany or something. Yeah. It looks so cool. The colour scheme as yeah. well. So I saw someone suggesting, I put out a tweet and someone suggesting they might be matching the colour scheme around the ground. 
That'll be great Because definitely It's a bit like The Legoland I don't like I've never liked it I don't know why it is like. Yeah but it's just All the different colours as well It's like sort of Kids blocks Like yeah. all over the place Like you know It's just yeah. sort of a mishmash So um, yeah I mean It is good to finally see it complete It hasn't happened as quickly As maybe people thought it might People were talking about Like the pre-Women's World Cup friendly And, and European games in the summer mm. Obviously they didn't have A European campaign To get it ready for this year In the group stage context um, But yeah <laughs> My Irish standards tell us Still a complete outlier Stuff has been done Oh I know All the time I know it's like, I mean, like, the amount of photos people take of that stand because it's just like, here is an actual stand happening in Ireland. It does look great. The call, I love it. I have to say, I we are fascinated it. by it. Now, Gary, do you? Sorry, quick one. Who's going to be in that stand for games in? Is that going to be like just another. Well, the, the, at one point, there have been discussion about putting away fans in there, but that's not going to happen. It's too uh, cool for that. Well, it's, yeah, but they're also going to have, and I'm not, not to cast aspersions on the behavior of people, but they're going to have the club offices are going to flip over to be below okay. the, that stand. So a lot of stuff is going to move out of the main stand as you know it now the west stand and uh, go into there to make more room in the west stand the press box is going to be expanded very exciting for all of us um, and stuff like that so uh, I think it would make more like you know if you had a a game that went against a massive away support and they're coming out past the club offices like it's just not it wouldn't make sense yeah. so I think the away fans are going to be where they are I think um, probably the scope I don't know whether they'll be the scope to offer them more of that stand for certain games I mean you can imagine for mm. certain Dublin derbies um, you know they could they could sell more and of course there's a competitive advantage element but I mean Rovers ID you'd still prefer you know, eight and a half thousand on the ground than eight thousand on the ground. Yeah. Say, you know, so um, I think it will be fascinating, fascinating to see if they can at some stage next season. Could you get a big early stage Rovers Pats, Rovers Bows, even Rovers Shells, Derby, out. and see if you get ten thousand people to a league I game? I think you could. That'd be pretty good. Rovers message would be the like, first time in. Jesus, since like the RDS. I'm thinking, yeah, Turner's Cross maybe in the old capacity, but there have been a couple of games. Maybe, yeah, there's, have, there's a good one. Yeah, Rovers, um, Garrigy, um, what has changed in the last two weeks between Bradley and the Rovers board? Evan Caban and Rovers need to look outside of league recruitment-wise to kick on again next season. And Kev Hooper, according to the fans of every club bar Rovers, the standard of the league is rubbish and that's the only reason Rovers are winning it. According to these same fans, Duff, Daly, Doherty, etc., have done a fantastic job. But if the standard is rubbish, surely they haven't. It doesn't really apply to some of those uh, managers, uh, to be fair. I don't think Kev Doherty's performance is relative, rele- relevant to the top half of the table, say. Um, but, but look... Um, I mean, Kev, I will say Rovers do have a, still have the biggest budget in the league. I know Derry would have a big one. Rovers are going to lose colossal Pats money would have this a big year. budget on certain players. Yeah, I mean, there was a, I mean, you saw this the business. I know you had a piece in the weekend on the business post, but the business post, and I understand why they did this. They did the 2022 accounts. They, they, they filed a story on them, you know, about Rovers' profits soaring, which is fine, but it's, it's not armed with the knowledge of what's coming. And the 2023 is going to be a substantial loss. So like this time next year... The business posted that. Yeah, just... I, that, was, so I was working on it was, Sunday. It was yesterday, actually, it was in the accounts. It was in the... Like oh, it would have been maybe on the breaking news. Sorry, side, I didn't see But that. like it was last night. So um, yeah, and it's just like you know, the profits went up. But but that was with the European year last year. I think some of the bazooning money as well. So mm. it's it's The business post was definitely aware of my knowledge or, or otherwise of Shamrock Rovers yeah. where they're at. And but I guess they're waiting until it... Like, yeah. Uh, as much as I think Rovers fans were told at the AGM about this and I'd have my own sort of information other people have their information mm. it, it's going to be a substantial loss recorded 
you know for this year um so that's just coming so like, like it's funny you see like positive headlines now and it's like don't get on board with this cold lads. winter ahead yeah, because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, are we even power across the two years i'm not sure if they will be so uh evan command rovers need to look outside of league recruitment wise we'll see the names i've heard so far um and i'm not committing them to print but sort of speculation around certain players would be within the league now that doesn't mean they're not going to look outside the league um, but they are looking that way and what's changed between Bradley and the board I'm not sure a huge amount has changed it does seem like there's a sense of get the head down get to the end of the season um, and probably they seem to have had more productive discussions reading between the lines about contracts to players um, I think friction will still exist between Bradley and certain members of the board and the Lincoln City job has come up as well and I don't think that's a non-story as Bradley said, I think it's easy for Bradley to say we'll put that to one side because like, it's not as if just three months left in the season like the previous time or five months. It's a massive distraction. Lincoln, everyone will know in a week, this, in a week minimum, like this is going to be, this is going to be over. You know, in terms yeah. of in terms of like they they don't have a big game coming up. So if they want to advance it, there's time for them to advance it. So yeah, really you probably end job. up that could happen. Or you know, I say new deal at Rovers. Obviously, he's on, he's a salaried member of staff, but it increased terms. But either way, it feels like in the coming weeks now in the press after the game on Sunday, he's talking about four, five, six, seven in a row. You know, so but I, I still I wouldn't be surprised if the Lincoln if something happened in the sense of discussions. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, Cotsy Casey, Cotsy, I really hope Cotsy got a ticket after all your talk about Roddy. Uh, can you buy pizza at the live show? That will be that can be arranged. Yeah, absolutely can. Arranged. Yeah, we had the, the Rovers podcast around for us who's gonna have the better live show, the their player the award player of the year awards yeah, bonanza boys. Or the LOI Central Rascals Rabble Rousers now. I mean thirty euro a ticket to theirs, but it's more of a night out than a podcast. Oh, you get a free beer and rival. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, but I think they're like player of the year awards. I'm not yeah. sure if they're doing a live show. Some of their live shows are like three, four hours long. Imagine, imagine Derek now. We went to Derek. Derek, we've done four hours this week. <laughs> in fairness, listen, the, the, their audience clearly wanted, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd imagine their awards night. Be Derek's done a few four hour gigs shows. in his time, to be fair. He probably has yeah. nothing to do with podcasts, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. Fergal J, what effect will the new EFL TV deal have on players leaving the League of Ireland? Presumably more will go but it might need to better fees. The context, it's a draft document at the moment, mm. but from 25, 26 onwards, you're talking about two and a half million per League Two club, 3.8 million per League One club, 17 million per championship club. Unbelievable. Like the clubs in League yeah. Two starting off with two and a half million in funding in their in their It's pitch. incredible. And you wonder and you're, why you're, you're, we're, we're in Ireland we have nothing. Zero. Nothing. Zero. I know um, Phelan Martin and others were on to us about, you know, it's great that Virgin are showing the... Phelan. sorry. Phelan, sorry. Phelan yeah. and, and others were on to us. It's brilliant that Virgin are showing the, the playoff match, you know, given that game at RTE and, mm-hmm. you know, I think they had a scheduled tweet about the Cork Shamrock Rovers game. That can happen. You know, the, the game was called off and a scheduled tweet came up yesterday when the game was, or Monday when the game mm. was off. I mean, that's per, but like scheduled tweets just happen with companies. But in general now, yeah, I mean, Virgin, that's a good game for them to show, I think, because totally. no one else is playing that night. Mm. So a lot of people will be interested in Cork against whoever it might be, you know, Cork Waterford or Cove or whatever way it works out, Athlone, who knows. Um, so hopefully they get the good viewing figures for that. Um, but they're showing energy. But yeah, in terms of the TV deal, I think Phelan was asking, is, is there anything up for discussion around that? I just think, unfortunately, there's no monetary value really there at the moment in the deal. So it's sort of a floating discussion. It's a yeah. floating deal. So 
I imagine will Virgin show more games next season? You would you would hope so. Are we going to get to a stage immediately where someone's paying money? I don't think so either. No, I don't think. I hope in time, but everyone's like, I think the, the figures for the last Virgin game were above their, or around their target, but that obviously needs to be consistent because that was Derry Rovers, you know, and that was a big match. Joy Brown, again, we had various comments from people about investment, you know, off the back of Trevada last week, you know, uh, the action, you know, investment is called the action or process of investing money for profit should be called people putting money into league sponsorship rather than investment. Has anyone ever made money investing? Trevor Gordon, clubs throwing themselves from Finn Harps, throwing themselves at these so-called investors seem like an attempt at quick fixes rather than focusing on the core issues with the main tangible outcome being wage inflation in the short term. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's fair to say clubs are throwing themselves at these investors. I think it's by necessity. And yeah. well, like, to compete in the Premier Division now, if you're a regional club, it's hard to do it without a massive fundraiser drive. And Harps have found it's hard. I mean, they can't mm. get 200 grand to get the stadium going. Mm. Like, they don't have the power of Sligo, say, to do stuff like that. So if you don't have that, and like you know, and I understand like Bowes, the Dublin clubs have a strong membership base, but but football in other parts of the country is different. Like people will support Drada, but they might also support GEA and the local, mm. whatever local teams are going. Well, it's a, it's not the same identity, the brand identity that you might have in Dublin now. That the, the Dublin clubs with a massive population advantage are now starting to tap into. Yeah, it's a com- It's it's not as easy in other parts of the country. So I don't have any issue with clubs being open to investment. Once they're coming in with their eyes open, I think the, the well, last, that's last the week are quite measured. Um, and, and we have to, like, we, we, we I don't know, there's a, ba- like, football, and I think Chippy, John O'Connor made the point, like, football globally, like, it's more of a transfer of wealth, it's more of a charity investment. Like horse racing. Like, like, yeah. And you did quotes with Luke Comer at the weekend, yeah. we sort of talking about putting a million in and sure, look at, you know. Yeah, he, he said, uh, basically, ballpark a million and rising sort of maybe to a million over going into the Premier Division. But then if you add, going out of Derry City, uh, Dundalk and Shells, now Shells would say it's investment, but ballpark... Their, their investors, give or take, are putting in the guts of a million a year and they're not really getting anything back. And the League of Ireland is probably one of the most prudently run leagues in the world, really, at the moment. It's very, very sensible. It just doesn't have any money coming in. No. Apart from European money, bows of good merchandise, gate receipts. But it is fascinating, Dan. Three overseas takeovers in the, in the space of a few months. And they, they obviously see upside, particularly the, the treaty guys and and the guys in Drawed, obviously. Yeah, treaty they guys, see upside. guys and girls. Kevin yeah. Harley, like, with all these takeovers, there's something coming around the corner that we don't know about. And this is the thing that we mentioned that the FEI are involved in some of these discussions and, you know, there's various things going on in the background about, you know, commercial rights stuff around the league and various people coming forward with proposals and probably something to go into on another day. Um, I'm sort of aware there's been stuff going on in the background. Um, And do they feel in the next coming years something might be coming? I don't know. I I don't know about that. Look, I suppose you look at, I mean, we we were talking about the racing industry at the moment and we're into the racing industry. Um, you know, like some of the wealthy people in the racing industry, you know, are just doing it to spend their money. They're not like some of them are losing money, but oh, they're yeah. getting great sort New of util- great utility out of it. You know, and you think you know, you know, like people like excuse me, not lauding it bloody hell, like the likes of Dennis O'Brien and people with like money to burn who just come in and and they like to be involved with getting Ireland the new manager and to do these sort of projects. And you know, there are a lot of wealthy people out there, and they come to football and. Once they're prepared, like these benefactors are prepared to accept that they're going to lose money, I wouldn't be 
skeptical of them. Now I understand there's a difference between that. There's a difference between the Garrett Kelleher and the you know, who people were skeptical of for so long. Garrett Kelleher, mm. and it's like oh, he's going to do something. Like I mean, sixteen years later, I think it's fair to say he's sixteen years. 16, I mean, it's incredible. You know how much money has he put in over that time? Yeah. You know, um, and Philip O'Doherty now and others. Mm. I understand there's a contrast between that and the investment firms, and, and there's, there's a difference. And we've seen how you know someone you know, got in and got out, and they're trying to flip a club or whatever. I get that, but um, maybe. You know the, the the multi-club model where Ireland sits into people's network and it's get, using value from Club A to you know to leverage to, to, to be leverage is to you know you can lose money on Club B. I get it. There is stuff going on in the background that people seem to think that in years to come the value of the league will increase that TV deals will happen surely because it's underperforming on a lot of metrics. We're negative about it here because you know we're skeptical, but sometimes I feel like we're almost so negative. It's like we're no, don't come to us. Don't come and talk to us. We're, you know, we're bad news. You know, football everywhere is propped up by people investing money in it. You know, we should. The it's one not, thing it's that's not a dirty word. I, yeah, like, you know, there's a balance between the two. But um, you know, we we if there's no government um support coming imminently, like clubs probably need to take the lead themselves to hopefully get some investment that maybe improve their facilities in the short term that maybe makes the product more attractive to government come in behind it. And that's how you have to hope. Like you have to dream. You have to live. Mm. You know? Yeah. But anyway. One uh, thing that uh, I appreciate Kira, all the skeptical Kira taken over at um Treaty, she didn't seem that worried about the cost of like getting your ground done and stuff like that that didn't seem she's like our candle is really expensive as well it's like the biggest impediment to me if you're getting involved at the moment is like well they don't own their ground at the moment it's the no, LEDB but, yeah, but even yeah. even that like so like you're you, it, what'll happen with the ground like so you're if you're coming in if this is going Markets Field is going to be like Markets Field is totally Ill, Ill suited to be a professional football ground what, how long is this going to be the case because nothing is happening on uh, uh, in grounds like no I know so, and, and draw, like draw this so they're coming in with their eyes wide open but like God knows when anything will happen yeah well listen I know Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, this is. I'll, I'll flip to to our points. Kieran Quinn. The last two St Pat's games have proved how much facilities need to be updated. Lashing rain at both games and very few covered stands at Daily Mint or Richmond. Surely having an effect on crowds. Travelling Pat Quinn. Similar league rounds in investment doesn't happen soon. All the great work clubs carry out in communities will be lost. It did drown, look bad. Drowned yeah. in Daily Mint on Friday yeah. and drenched. You're, you're interrupting Pat here and and drenched in Richmond last night. Plenty of fans not prepared to suffer in the rain. And who can blame them? And this is the thing. Like we're so positive about our crowds, but we're we're hitting capacity in some places that a bit of bad weather. Like you know, Bose had to send out a message on Friday. Can we give everyone in the desk Kelly stand a big round of applause? Like they're a competition winner. Like these are meant to be customers in the ground. And like this is the problem. And I mean, the kids I, behind the Golden Inch Core, I felt really sorry yeah. for them under the umbrella, holding on the umbrella. I know, and it's been an awful spell of weather, but like it it, it didn't look good, Dan. And there was still three and a half thousand whatever it was there. And as you know, like the weather isn't going to get any better in the coming years you know like these rain showers are going to happen in more frequency and this is the point and we're we're, we're high on the positivity of mm, crowds at the mm. moment but it's going to get to a point where they can't go anymore you know you might have a new stand yeah. here Galway will come up next year replace UCD so the premier average will go up great you know we'll, we'll talk about that um but it's going to get to a stage where it's like you know people have you want everyone's first experience to be a good one you know Bad facilities mm. increases your chances of being a bad one. And this is part of the problem. Um, let me see, flip on. So, Shells, Pats, Bowes section, a lot of stuff in this. The Duff's post match interview sounded like he was preparing to leave Shells. And if so, what's the next move? That was Dodge. I'm not sure. People read a lot into Duff's interviews. Yeah, I, I I don't I'm not sure the whole thing of Duff only ever managing one League of Ireland club would prove to be true, 
but um, I'm not sure that uh, there's anything imminent imminent uh, Dan Byrne Duff was suspended after some criticism of the ref in the game against Rovers uh, since then Divine Horgan and Higgins have all done the same with zero repercussion is a little consistency too much to ask I guess we will get Connor as well on the whole Chelsea because that, that what Duff was particularly annoyed about the brandy well was like this is a massive decision in the context of the season that Jack Moylan's goal is disallowed so we'll get Connor yeah on yeah um, but as lots much, to as talk much about as the, yeah, ref decisions yeah you know what can be done about what I would say is that Duff probably the nature of his comments about Paul McLaughlin were strong it probably wasn't his first time doing that but I mean look yeah, I'm, bans for yeah, it was Rob, Rob Hennessy at Brandywell yeah. and made two big calls and obviously that was one of Shane them Shane Kennedy what can be done about security setup in Derry first time in years this is a recurring issue there was objects thrown over the wall again the issue of policing and Derry is, is a complex matter you know tied in with broader political questions I don't know but it, it keeps happening it's true it's maybe it's outside out of mind for a lot of people mm. um, but I mean I know there's a new stand hopefully going behind the goals or a new terrace behind the goals and they have to look at the arrangements of getting people in and out somehow that ground Joe Joe Leo goes on about inconsistency in punishing clubs for behaviour because Cork having a section closed draw to have an issue uh, had the issue in Tala again it seems to be well the FBI would say it's an independent disciplinary control unit who decide but there's obviously repeat offences in certain places but yeah again I'm I don't know yeah I'm not mad on the away ban for drugs um Mm. But yeah, uh, Greg Malloy, Keen Levy looks at player. Is this Duff's keep long Jack Moylan <laughs> I like, moment? I like that one. Uh, well, Shells didn't let him go. He wanted to keep him. So okay. it's, it's it's completely different. Okay. Um, Damien Byrne. Yeah, Pat's t- fans raving about. He Levy. was on loan at Reading, a bit like Dylan yeah. Watts was on loan at Bowes and up signing for Rovers you know, years back. Damien Byrne, title decided for some time. Where did the pack need to strengthen next season? The challenge. Pat's and Jerry Butt need a clinical goal scorer. Yeah, everyone does. Uh, Bow, Shells and Doc. Pat's probably most likely to lose key players. Murphy, Carty, Curtis. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that is true. Their young team means... Quality of the them. Curtis pass for that first goal. So it seems like Mason Media might sign a pro deal now. That seems to be the word, um, okay. which will be good. Um, no, someone was asking, would that make him the most valuable player in the league? I'm not so sure about that because a lot of these players might sign pro at 16 to stay till 18, but like Murphy and Curtis can then go for just compensation. So yeah. they don't actually have a transfer fee value. Um... But yeah, Murphy, uh, we'll see what happens with Murphy. I mean, that Bristol City deal fell through. Like, I suppose, yeah, just just one or two question marks there um, about him in the short term. But uh, hopefully over the long term, he gets sort of a good injury-free run. There's no issues. Sam Curtis will probably go. Connor Carty. thing is, Shells, we don't know what's going to happen with Wood, Jarvis, Moylan. Like, mm. they're going to be weakened as well. Um, but they'll obviously strengthen. It's very hard to predict. Um I think strikers. I think Derry definitely need a striker. I think Derry aren't. I don't think Derry are still that far off. But I mean, it's not just about a striker. It's about having a real clinical edge in games. I think Derry probably needs something else at the back too. Let's we'll see what happens with Sam Todd. Pats. I mean, they're so young. Don't think Keen Levy is such a great option. You know, now he's emerged. Um, but probably defensively for Pats, you would say. You I know, do. I do love yeah. the way Pats have support just given for so many, yeah. so many young players a go and. Um, yeah, I love that about Pats this season. Yeah, should Bowes use Keenburn over Radkowski for league games given the cup final circumstances? It's a good point, but I don't know if they can afford it. But mm. it, even second half Bowes, Cork or something if they're in control. It's true, you want to get Keenburn exposed, but every game matters for them. JPEG Leem, only one win for Bowes over the rest of the top six since the first series of matches. Neil Dagger, Bowes are pretty close to relegation form. Why do you keep dismissing that Declan Devine should be under pressure? Dublin Derby record, played 12-1-1, drew five, lost six. Um... Yeah, so very critical. I, I don't think I've dismissed Declan Devine as under pressure. I think I said that. I think if they lose the cup final, I said if, if I, I said if a manager of either Devine or Daly, yeah, 
didn't make Europe and lost the cup final, it'd be under pressure. Now it's not going to be Daly now, so Divine is a candidate for that. Git, can you tell Johnny not to start bigging up John Daly? Please keep him out of the law firm, thanks. Just Sean, on, on at that. what stage uh, you can come yeah. to that? We've got a couple of John Daly comments. At what stage will people start admitting that John Daly is manager of the year? Pat's not playing well every week, he's got them three points off the top and in a cup final with a budget and squad way smaller than Derry and Rovers and OCLFC. Given the stick he's given Pat's for not playing well, despite winning nearly every week under JD, uh, I don't know if you want to call him JD, uh, when are you going to start mentioning teams like Bose, Derry and Dog, who have similar budgets, who are all playing bad and below Pats? Now, Pats do have a couple of very high earning players, but yeah, it's true. The rest of their budget is, you know, the other players aren't earning very much at all. Thanks. Doing well with that. Thanks to Dodge for this, but points under Tim Clancy, 13 games, Pats 1.31 points per game. For Daly, 20 games, 2.1 points per game, two goals per game as opposed to 1.38 under Tim Clancy. Um, and the stats go on. Um, 0.85 goals conceded per game much of it without Joe Redmond under Tim Clancy 1.54 goals conceded per game now I know know what you're saying Dan the game on Friday like this is a big swing if Pats lose that game you know Bowes blah 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 but I think I think to, uh, the Bowes management if they lose the cup and don't get to Europe absolutely will be under pressure oh they will be under pressure absolutely. I've absolutely no doubt there's, I mean, there's changes happening behind the scenes at Bowes at various positions and like Pat Fennan's very much there and he didn't appoint Declan Devine you know so yeah. like that, and I think I'm sure everyone's conscious of that but in saying that, it can flip very quickly. Like if, Absolutely. If Bo's going winning Dundalk, they're in control of Fourth. But do I fancy them to go winning Dundalk? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Wait, and Dundalk had a good control win in Sligo. After which, John Russell really critical of some of his players that he signed himself. He basically admits, yeah, I've made some mistakes here in my signing. Yeah, now I'm going to have to rattle through a couple here because yeah. we're going to get Conor Cairns in. So apologies for not letting you get a word in. But uh, Jason Shanahan, useless info, Expos and Sligo Rovers man Andrew Wright is now playing for Mickelover. Managed well down the English non-league ladder. Managed by Lear McNate of John McGrath, whose son Jay is playing for Pats. But also... I like this. I might give Jason the mailbag for this. What is the criteria for an assistant to be mentioned alongside his manager? For example, we had Tim Clancy and Kev Doherty. Some slight mention of Duff and Joey O'Brien. I think you've become fond of that one. But no mention of Ian Ryan and Lorcan Fitz, for example. It's true. You know, we had Coffee and Lottie Horgan, but then we never hear really, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, other manager. We don't talk about Stephen Baddy and Glenn Cronin. What, what is your criteria? Um... I would have, yeah, I would have said, I would have said the Rovers management team a fair bit. Like, the, the, yeah, you haven't done it. Yeah, 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 not, not, not Jason's got you here. He's got I, you here. I, I, but I think, I think with with uh, with shells, it's just so transparent how well defensively organized. Or they is are. it, or is it just because we know Joey O'Brien better? I don't know him at all. No, but I mean, as, as in, in like, as a as person, in like, as, a, as a person, like he's um, an ex Irish international. and John Caulfield would be kind of it's just such a mad duo. Yeah, like but it, but it's been it. it's been put to me that Caulfield is emphatically the manager. There's no doubt about that either. Yeah, although at the same time, I was at a game in Longford where Ali was suspended went to the toilet at half time and John Caulfield had actually come down to the back of the stand to talk to all oh, I know but the players will tell uh, you the bosses the toilet. players will tell you the bosses um, so like I, I'm just saying it is true we have to like yeah. certain assistant managers just seem to get a lot of well, love Larkin, Larkin was on the show about Stephen O'Donnell and Patrick Craig it's just Stephen O'Donnell yeah yeah that's, that's, so it's fair J- enough. Jason's getting the mailbag it's uh, fair enough yeah Eloy Scott what does the link up between Wexford and Reading FC mean yeah, I'm not sure about that. Just hopefully, um, mm. hopefully Reading don't uh, give Wexford or some of the people involved control of their social media. Uh, Del K, <laughs> does Rory Higgins need to deliver a league title next season to keep his job? We've had this as a recurring point. Um, and 
the last one I wanted to get to because we had a few comments this morning I felt it was a very Dublin centric mailbag but it was Connor Maddock was making the point and so we had Oliver Brett Oliver we got your message about attendances I'll try and get that in next week Connor Maddock Wexford just announced a new partnership with Reading however Ferry Carrig is the furthest league of Ireland ground from its nearest urban centre with no public transport available dilapidated astro pitch is a shell of a gym building and the team trains at Carlo IT until the club moves at Ferry Carrig it will never be able to continue the next steps in it, it's, a, it's a big problem it's thousand like, people at the game last night you know 1100 people but I mean, my well, God, it's, 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 it's like to track. Like, it's like Limerick Race Course Sundays. It's not, it's not, I can't attract crowds. It's miles away from anywhere, and that's a massive problem for Ferry Carrig. You, you can't. You can't have a ground that's so far from an urban centre where people would like to go and have a glass of wine as it is in Wexford or a pint and yeah. it, it's going to suffer. They, they pointed out in the commentary that the opera festival was opening <laughs> last night in Wexford. It's like, I mean, you got opera, you got playoffs, you know, but one's in town. If you had the opera festival out in Ferry Carrig, what type of crowd would you get out? Wouldn't say it'd be a good one. Let's bring in Connor Kearns. So, uh, Dan, it turns out you something in common. Connor Kearns, yeah. Well, Not you and, you and I, of course. We've nothing, nothing in common <laughs> apart from our age. Um, yeah, Connor Kearns, you, politics in UCD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did it for uh, three years there when I was in UCD. Is that, is, is that just arts, though? Or is that politics? Or can you do politics now as a standalone thing? So I did it as an, uh, an elective. Right, okay. On then, yeah, so I did uh, criminal studies when I was in college and then politics as an elective. And, right. Um, I had no real choice to be honest with you. My mum's a politician, local politician, so I think uh, Pamela, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. herself, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was brought up around it, so I always had a keen interest in it, and uh, yeah, actually, no, I enjoyed it. Now I try to keep tabs on it on a day to day basis if I can, but uh, the theoretical stuff is all gone from my yeah. brain now. So we're not gonna we're not gonna go into it. Like I did politics, but it was true arts, like history and politics. But I did a master's in politics afterwards, so like did a whole thesis about the Sinn Fein broadcasting ban on TV and in the. In oh. an RG and stuff like that, yeah. So, yeah. So my, we could we could take this discussion in a completely different direction about like political discussions. Yeah, yeah. Was yours on? Lots. My thesis was on the Dublin Daily newspaper because um, it owed me about twelve hundred quid because it went bankrupt. <laughs> but I was like, I might as well get something out of it. But uh, yeah, lots of Palestinian uh, flags this weekend, and it was one of these weekends where politics was really to the fore. In the yeah. league it was actually remarkable across like whatever amount of grounds you could see, and um, yeah, Declan Devine um, posted a Palestinian flag I think last week, didn't he? At some he did. Stage, so. We had Wasim Australia, Go United fan as well expressing his support and all that so it was uh, it was quite notable um, yeah but, um, so, so, so Connor, like I know not to bring it down that route but you are one of those UCD players like are you all in on football now or are you keeping an eye on other stuff sort of for the for the longer term well for a long time I was kind of constantly upskilling and staying in education so I did a couple of degrees when I was playing at uh, St. Pat's and at uh, Galway um, but then in the last sort of two years um I was just so invested in the full-time football and I felt like I needed to kind of utilize, you know, everything that I could to, to gear towards football. Um, difficult transition, to be fair, because you have a lot of spare time and my natural mm. instinct was to try and kind of, right, I'll do another, you know, uh, course, another degree, another diploma. But uh, now the last two years now, I've kind of been all in on the football and it's it's a completely different sort of ball game when, you, when you're just totally invested in it. But yeah, it's, it's been a nice change. I mean, I sense you've, you do have a good political discussion in you, right? Like, where would you go in the Shell's dressing room if you wanted to have a conversation with someone? Where where could you go on the bus to have a chat? Is there anyone there you can sort of no, engage with? No, no one? Yeah, no, I think uh, uh, Jada Kiki's quite intelligent. Mark Cole's quite intelligent, so I could probably have a discussion with the two of them. But uh, I get too opinionated, so I try to keep those things under wraps. Uh it could lead to I'd probably have more arguments about politics than I would about football if I start talking about it in the dressing room. So, oh, really? Yeah. How, how, do, how do you mean opinionated then? Like, what's your opinion? 
in general? Just in general politics yeah. and everything. No, I'd just be quite strong-headed. I'd be quite... Um, so one thing that I would have struggled with is when people find out my mum's a politician, they ask me what party she's in. And I'll say she's in the Labour Party and that hasn't gone down well for about a decade. So, mm. um, And then I'd be quite left-wing uh, with a lot of my views in, uh, in politics and that can be a... Get out of the room, please. <laughs> <laughs> that, can get, that can get a mixed response. So... Um, why, what were you doing winding up those Bose fans years ago in Belfield? You should have gone in and had discussions with them. You had <laughs> yeah, so much in common. Yeah, probably, yeah, no, yeah, probably, Pull yeah. out a Palestinian flag. Like. I, could have, I could have ended up as their environmental ambassador <laughs> if I'd gotten in close. But, um, I, uh, ah, look, in fairness to them, you know, I, have a lot of, I take a lot of issues with, with Bohemians, but you have to admire the, uh, the initiatives they, they put forward. And uh, I think the more, the more programs like that you see across, across the, the world in football, it's only going to be for the better using it as a positive positive tool for change i suppose yeah so i mean i'd i mean football matters seem trivial in comparison but i mean what's your view of your season then how, how would you assess this the well, shelburne year? last five games last mm. five games unless it's up to six six now, six now sorry after, after the game in tally yeah. yeah um i suppose ultimately you probably have to come back to me in, in two weeks and i can give you the full answer then because you know there's still a lot to play for i think it's definitely been positive in terms of the progression of the team um, I think over the course of the season there was, a, there was a definite growth in terms of the belief of the team and you could see we were picking up better results in bigger games um, you know, we hadn't beaten Dundalk for the first three games and ultimately I think it was that final bit of, of belief and, and confidence to maybe dominate the game against sides of that calibre um, and same as St. Pat's we were able to beat both of them kind of get the monkey off the back in that sense this season in the last round of games so there's definite progression um, sure there's still a long, a long way to go in terms of what the ultimate end goal is under the manager at the moment but it's been a really encouraging season and it'd be nice to finish it on a high now in the next couple of weeks yeah, I mean, when the, the when the ownership thing happened, when the Turkish takeover happened in the summer, one of the first things that, that happened was was your contract getting done. And, uh, you know, the manager was very, uh, spoke very positively about you. Like, how did that work out? Were you, was that something, did you know pretty soon when you went to Shells, yeah, want, I'd like to stay for longer here? Like, how did that all play itself out? Within the first, to be honest, within the first conversation with the manager, I knew there was definitely a long-term um, plan in place on his end. And it was something that I wanted to be a part of. I knew myself I'd have to earn my stripes in the club. So within the first week of pre-season, you know, I knew, yeah, look, this is a proper environment. This is a place where you want to play your football. Um, just like first and foremost, the knowledge of all the staff members, like you're learning on a daily basis. There's a genuine interest in improving every single player. Um, and the manager has spoken about that himself. It, it, it's not just, you know, I think sometimes we get, a, especially early in the season, we had a bad rap for being maybe a, a, a team who tries to set up to frustrate other teams or you know we can be you know we were boring at times you hear that a lot but there's you know if you watch us training for a single day you'd realize that that's all absolute nonsense just because we were well coached on the defensive end doesn't mean that we we've no interest in in trying to actually win games and that's shown as the season's gone on so the individual development side of things was huge for me and um, look you're, you're working with Damien Duff and Joey O'Brien you know two absolute legends of Irish football both domestically and internationally I think what, what Joey did when he came back here is probably understated in, in many ways and the manager's record speaks for himself so working with people of that calibre on a day-to-day basis is huge as well um, and ultimately I just I just have such a love for the game now because of how positive the environment is you know it's great you know you can you can kind of take that for granted when it becomes your job um, and I mean this in, in no disrespectful way in, in the last couple of years but the love I have and the joy I have going into training and playing the game now is is unrivaled to any other time in my career you know and i have to you know i have to be honest about that and it's it, it's just something that i relish going in every single day to work with with the lads and with the staff 
So what's that down to? It's it's obviously down to you mentioned the two coaches, but it's down to the individuals that they brought in as well and that whole collective, I suppose. Yeah, I think we have. I think there's a general look at different personalities in every in every dressing room, but the non-negotiable, I've said it a number of times, um, is the, the the mentality when you're on the pitch and what the team is striving to achieve. And I think everybody's in the same boat with that regard. And the manager spoke about it before that that's, like I said, non-negotiable. You have to have it. You have to be geared towards improving as an individual and improving the team. And I think that's consistent across the board. So when you're on the pitch, you can see it's there's nothing better than when you're you're in the same boat with a bunch of lads all pulling in the same direction. See, you work for John Caulfield and Stephen O'Donnell's name, but two, what's different about this duo in terms of you you mentioned the shape, like and we're actually before you come in, we're having a bit of crack about why are some assistants mentioned and some aren't like and I'd I'd mention Joey O'Brien a bit because I could I just I'd imagine that he's big in what you're doing, but what's different to to what you've done previously with this this duo? Um I suppose they like. I, I think every manager is different, so this isn't to speak ill of the other managers. Like John Caulfield has had an incredible amount of success um, mm. throughout his entire career. Even look at this season; he's, he's a relentless winner. And Stephen O'Donnell, um, you know Dundalk, people are writing them off. They're still in the European race in these last two games. He's won a cup at St. Pat's. So the two O'Donnell was kind of in his early stages of coaching at the time. So you know, I can see you could always see the growth he was going to have in terms of of, of applying the, the the knowledge he had of the game. Um, with, with the gaffer and with Joey now, it's 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 kind of that X factor, to be honest with you. It's, it's very, very hard to describe, but it's just an aura they have. And like, it's obvious the knowledge the two of them are going to have, the managers they worked with, the experience they have, but they just have that sort of a, a X factor as a coach. And it could be a case of they recruited the right personalities and, and I tend to have a very compatible personality with the type of environment that they've they've created. You know, it might not be for everyone, um, but, you know, as, as an ambitious footballer, I couldn't see how you couldn't relish working there. Yeah, and um, it's going well. Friday could have been that bit better. What did you make of it? I know, I mean, the, the referee has a call to make on the Diallo tackle. Personally, I thought he got that right. The Jack Moylan one, what perspective did you, did you have of the disallowed goal? I, I genuinely, like I'm 100 yards away. I couldn't see it. The mm. only thing I know is Jack was absolutely adamant. Um, it didn't hit his hand. Um, but, like, look, you've seen, you've seen the camera angles. It's a difficult one to tell. I think Jack, in fairness to him, like, He's come in and, and gotten decisions in games his way and said, not sure about that one now. Okay, you know? okay, yeah. But this time in, in, in the Brandywell, he was absolutely adamant it didn't strike his hand. Um, so I look, I, I tend to believe him. Um, Europe would mean so much, uh, obviously, to the project as well. Oh, it'd be huge, yeah. And we've been very ambitious and I think very brave to have been as open as we have been in saying this is, this is where we want to get to. I think I know a lot of people probably saw us saw this could be a year where we and it would have been easy to just stabilize and, and maintain our position as a as a disruptor in the middle of the pack who might pick up a few good results and drop points here or there but we've been highly ambitious in trying to achieve Europe with with the resources I suppose the club had at the start of the season um so yeah it would be a huge achievement and unfortunately after Friday it's not totally in our hands but we still have six points on the table that we're you know hell-bent on on wrapping up and, and putting ourselves in the best possible position yeah I was looking at some of the, the club's promotional material for Friday and it's a bit of a last dance thing going on with Jack um, and his last game at, at Talca I mean look this is the price of success it's a good thing in a way that like you know he's he's thrived there and he's he's got to move but um, we were talking before you came in about like teams looking to strengthen over the winter and teams will lose players and there's no doubt like Jack, Jack will leave a hole there. Yeah, Jack's a huge loss, an incredibly gifted footballer but I think in fairness, the, the manager said it before, he won't stand in anyone's way. 
of moving on to sort of uh, greener pastures in, in one sense. And Jack definitely has that opportunity in front of him, and he's he's more than earned it. Um, and Friday, look, Friday's game against UCD is, is huge for a number of reasons, and it would nice to, be nice to see Jack sign off in Taco Park on a very very high note because he's more than earned it, especially with how he's adapted this season. Forget he's. I don't think in his senior career has ever been an out and out number nine. He's had to do that role this season, and he's done it really, really well. Has um, you say incredibly gifted? Actually, what's different about him? He, he, there's something about him, but what is it from your perspective? I think there's a number of things. I think one thing that I give Jack massive credit for is look, no player is perfect. Jack could miss a chance in a game. He could lose the ball. He could, you know, the first ten or fifteen minutes not might not go well from wants the ball again always wants the ball and he gets you know even for me he'll get thick if he's not getting the ball he just wants it wants it wants it he backs himself to beat people he has an energy and he has an ability to go by, by players um i don't know if, if either of you watched the the dundalk game and talk apart the one they'll win but he, flick he, the flick he, he did he, it was incredible yeah and uh, you know you could count on one hand the players in the league who just have that awareness and that ability um and jack does that on a weekly basis really like he, he can you know, in, in a very, very in a league of very high standard, he can make a fool of centre halves at times with his ability. And you think earlier on the season, the first game in Tolka, um, who was that against again? I'm trying to think. Drugs was the first game. Of the was season. it? Maybe it was last season. Even was it? And that oh, was the Pats game. Was, Pats game. Was, sorry, was last, last season, which last, was the big TV game. Damien yeah, Duff's first and, game. And the flick around, and also the flick and the goal in Tala subsequently. Like he is. I oh, just and yeah. he, and he like I said he backs himself to try those things you know mm. he's young you know you forget mm. that um and he plays with the confidence of of a lad who's played eight or nine years in the league and that's something you have to really you have to give him a lot of credit yeah. for because not many players would have the guts to try that flick and touch yeah. and tell a stadium a lot of people are oh, okay the easy thing here is to hold it up and and get us up the pitch but he's like nah I'm taking yeah. these lads on just as players when the whole thing happened and then I know like some fans were sort of thinking. Right, like, are we going to end up getting like new players over from Hull, or, or what? What's the crack going to be? Um, but Wood and Jarvis have had a hell of a difference as well, too. Like, and I, I guess you know, as as players, I don't know how you feel when they walk into the dressing room. You like like any new signing, you're always scoping out any new signing. Um, but those lads have certainly shown their quality. Yeah, I think look naturally for for there's always a fear, um, especially in the League of Ireland where. Players coming over from England, there's a big question mark on their application and, and their attitude and are they going to swan in and think that they're above it when they walk in the door and, and credit to the two lads, you know, they didn't. They And they came in, embraced the culture and they've shown their quality that they have, the two fantastic young players, um, both completely different personalities and fairness to them. Go on, how so? Jarvie's very laid back, very, very laid back, sleeping back is what he is what we call him because you like you know you wouldn't get a peep out of him for all morning whereas Harry Wood will walk in he's on the punching bag 10 minutes after uh, getting into the gym in the morning but the two of them the one thing they do have is quality on the ball they both have that kind of flip of the switch when they get on the pitch that they're totally focused on playing and they both just brought like just just an energy and, and a like you know Harry's brought sort of an energy and the quality and Will's brought that composure and, and confidence and you know, like I said, one thing that the team probably needed was a bit of belief. And in fairness to the two lads, they maybe spurred that on a little bit more because they backed themselves so much. And not in an arrogant way whatsoever, just in total confidence in their own ability. And I think it's been infectious in the team since they've come in. It's not really a question for you, to be fair, but can you like niggle away at them and say, oh, come on, lads, you know, come back next year. We've got something going here. Uh, you get the usual, yeah. Like you, you would. Like, look, we want them to stay. There's, there's no point to being shy about it. Like said, the club's ambitious. They're two highly gifted players. So, of course, we'd want to retain the two of them for next season. You know, that that's 
no one's going to know like you know everyone in football has the one thing when it gets to the stage of the season a lot of people just keep their cards close to their chest we'd absolutely love to have them I think the manager's been honest about that as well um, but whatever decision they make once it's for the betterment of their career then you know you'd have to wish them all the best but you know I'd love to see them both at, at Taco Park next season Just yourself like the the move to Shells came about and Brendan Clark obviously ends up in Galway had a great season at Galway United the season didn't end that great for you at Galway United and what was your thought process when Damien Duff comes out and he says you know this is a measure of our ambition that we're going for somebody like Conor Kearns because your stock had probably slightly gone down mm-hmm. at the end of last season I would have said like just a couple of mistakes or whatever yeah, well, I think the one thing that I, I kept telling myself, uh, if I, I don't look, maybe I'm being over the top here. I don't remember the last time a player was held so accountable for one football match. Um, this I is remember, the game in Marcus this, Field. This is the game in Marcus yeah. Field. I know I underperformed. It was, it yeah. was, and believe me, it was a really tough day for myself. Um, it was a very emotional time because I was so hell-bent on getting Galway back to the Premier Division. I, I was really invested in, in, in being part of the team that did that. Um, but ultimately, when the manager and, and Paul Skinner spoke to me, they said, look, we've been watching you all season and one game isn't going to define our opinion of you. And, you know, they said they felt that over the course of the season, I'd done enough to catch the eye. And How, how big does that make you feel? Because it's not just two people. It's like Damien Duff. Like, that must be just... must make you feel 10 feet tall. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, it was brilliant because your self-confidence can take a knock at any time in your career. And I think with the quick turnaround to have been immediately, well, not immediately, shortly after the cup final to be told, no, we've been watching you. We really think, you know, you're capable of. And the first time I came in, the manager said, not just being Shells number one, but, you know, we want you to be number one keeper in the league this season. And we think you can do that. And I certainly was kind of taken aback by that a little bit. But, you know, once he was kind of, telling me his plans and what he saw in me you know like you said I grew that extra that extra couple of feet in terms of my own self-belief and I think I paid dividends with all due respect like you weren't you weren't a football and goalkeeper obviously at Galway United because it wasn't really that's not really the style mm. you play that's fine you probably didn't have an awful lot to do in a lot of matches last season and yet they they still I find that like that's really interesting interesting that they they saw and they were looking at first division games yeah well I think it's been a funny kind of thing in my career. I played at UCD and I was a bit sort of kamikaze in that style of play. The way we played, I was playing out all the times. So I was coming after games and I, you get your stats and I three completed dribbles in some games, you know, <laughs> taking people on. Some of them bo- both that bloody bicycle kick you scored <laughs> to Gusha and Soccer AM. That's yeah, a cent off a different road. Trust like. me, I'm still, I'm still flogging that for everything I ever did. It's worth. Is there any royalties in that video you can, uh, you can, you can oh, take uh, in? Trust me, I've run down every alley and I don't think I can get anything out of it. But. <laughs> Maybe the right agent I could, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I went to Galway, and obviously, yeah, look, we did have a we did have a different sort of style of play, but I think maybe, and I would know Paul Skinner a long time, and I imagine maybe, and again, I'm not privy to the whole thought process, but he probably saw that Galway one thing maybe whipped me into shape in terms of that sort of erratic nature of me, and okay, maybe he saw the potential, and again, I'm I'm guessing here because I never really asked why did you want me they just you know do you want me happy days grand here's what we want you to do and that's what I'll do but maybe he just saw that side of well he's shown throughout his career like a, a development and maybe a bit of matured as time has gone on so um yeah I, I, that could be a part of it but again I never really asked the why I just happy kind of days said, yes please do you think a future aspiring reality tv star should come and work with you as your number two goalkeeper just thinking yeah. the way this season went out like I'm going to think of the discussions you had with players in the dressing room I mean pro-Palestinian what, 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 what did you and Scott talk about uh 
before he went to Love Island. What was your sort of rapport like? Scotty's a great fella. Is Absolutely. he? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant fella. And I, I believe we're going to see him on, on Friday um, at the game. He'll be there. Um, I wasn't surprised whatsoever, now in fairness. He Go on. The, he just had that sort of... He did have that bit of awe and that bit, that bit of charm about him and that he would probably... He would fit into that sort of mould fairly well. And I, I knew he knew a couple of people who had been on the show before. Um, so when he told me he was on it, any other player, you probably said, no, you're not. You're lying. And Scott said, no, I'm going on Love Island. And I said, yeah, that, that makes sense. Fantastic goalkeeper, by the way. Fantastic really, footballer. Yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. really, really good. The preseason we had was one of the most intense sort of battles that I think I've had with another keeper in terms of training. But uh, yeah, he always had that sort of glitz and glamour side to him as well. So you couldn't get any credit. Could you walk around in the summer and say, you know, that fella from Love Island, like, I just I, I kept him out of the side. Like, you know, I mean, this is, you sent him that direction. Yeah, but I think the one thing that just hit back at is, yeah, he's got about 100,000 more followers than you have and he's way better looking. So I think that's what matters to most well, people. But it's funny, I was I was typing in something on Conor Erdogan's bit of research and for some reason... You're typing in something, you're organising the game of Astro there. You went missing for several minutes. Yeah, yeah. Always slagging me. I was like, where's okay. that gone? Oh, I was trying to find this. <laughs> RSVP Live, Shelburne's Conor Cairns, family life, career and relationship with long-term girlfriend. Yeah. So I, someone, like, I see this, Erica Carter, I mean, Erica could be a fine journalistic colleague, but they seem to have done profiles in a load of like League of Ireland players just to like, it's like, on our side sometimes they do TV times like you know Manchester United v Copenhagen what time what channel yeah. they've done a load of stuff on Connor here you know he's a well known goalkeeper Dublin native uh, <laughs> Connor was born <laughs> on the 6th of May blah blah Connor's mother Pamela is a Labour Party councillor there you go You're. I think you said before you're the second most famous person in your family then I was like you know Connor is in a relationship with a woman called Ellie I hope you are yeah, yeah, I mean, I was just she thinking, was absolutely delighted when she saw that. And the pair yeah. often post snaps on Instagram together as they enjoy holidays abroad. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? They celebrated four years together last September, meaning they've been together almost five years. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. That, that, Journalism um, lives. Absolutely. Fr- someone sent me that and it absolutely freaked me out. No, no one contacted me and asked me any of this stuff. So I was like, it's true, though. You can't deny it. You are going out nearly five years. You are from Dublin. What so was someone, someone sniffing, someone sniffing <laughs> on you. Yeah. Um, to be fair to Dan, um, he was organising his game of Astro there. We actually got a good player out of uh, Connor Kearns. Oh, uh, we know Connor's what? mate Keen comes yeah. in. Uh, Fan of the show. The, the show spans far and wide. Keen, he, well, he does a bit of personal training with Connor during the winter, but Keen comes along and plays. A Rovers fan, a bit like yourself in your younger days. Do you have to move away from that part of your life now? Can we talk about that? Ah, like we can talk about it. You know, I. It, that's one of the ways I would have known Keane was, was going to Rovers games with him and stuff like that he'd be good friends with my brother as well but uh, uh, Keane's a brilliant lad and in fairness a hell of a personal trainer because I go to him every off season and he's always whipping me into shape he and does good player, good player he's, he's a good player and a good lad um, I actually I said I was a good player so I think he's also a good lad to be fair yeah <laughs> didn't get a son article about it though did you um, <laughs> I, I actually have to get a I have to get a train home to Galway shortly I'm still in Galway you could have been there this season with Damien Duff whatever it is uh, before we finish up um Aon O'Reardon was on the show this year. Mm. What's your take on the whole investment in potentially League of Ireland Academies, investment generally from state, um, where the League of Ireland is going? And uh, I, we, we'll definitely get you on again because we, we haven't had enough time today to go through mm. your political kind of leanings. Where are, you, where are you at on that? In terms of the investment? In yeah, the and what Aon said I basically. I, like, and I think it's, I, I look back at my own career and I really didn't have a goalkeeper coach until the time I was 17, 18. So I see these young lads with the implementation of stronger academies a higher standard of coaching you can see the development of young players 
and there's a wealth of young talent coming through the academies and even in first teams actually now sorry sorry i have to cut across you there so if you're at an academy like roughly in the league of ireland where does a goalkeeper coach fit into that when all you need all these volunteers as it is so goalkeeping coaches like are they are they do they exist at all clubs or what is it any club I've been at has had a uh, head of academy goalkeeper coach, yeah, okay. who's, and then sometimes it's you know depending on the club there could be three or four, or okay. there could be one who does a, a number of teams. But that level of qualified coaching that you can get, I think, is absolutely paramount for the development of young players and for for the league itself. Well, do you do you feel that? Um, I, I get the impression from well from people I'm talking to that they they're hopeful the government is going to invest in academies. This this would surely help in so many ways, and the, and it would. We were always we always hear about oh uh, so much money goes into racing and the greyhound industry, but it gives so much back and it's an investment. Surely this would be an investment as well. Well, it's huge, and it's it's it, the people probably overlook the the higher higher up the implications can have first and foremost we know the sports the effect that positive sporting environments can have in in sort of we'll say working class areas having proper sporting resources and having local league of ireland clubs who are trying to invest sort of um programs in those places is absolutely huge and that's only going to grow up more funding you look at the educational side of things clubs putting more of an emphasis on trying to keep young players in education to the ages of 17 18 and 19 and then on the sporting side of things People try to tell me that the academy places come in in the last seven, eight years and Ireland has probably the best generation of young players it's had in I don't know how long. And mm-hmm. people try to say that's a coincidence. Like, yeah, that's, no, that's a good point. Listen, yeah. I kind of, we'd love to, 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 to sort of picture those issues again. We'll have you back, I think, next year, definitely, because we've got a, got a lot more. I'm not sure about you and Johnny doing a political podcast. I'm not sure I, about I that. Actually, I actually think yeah. we'd be very aligned. Yeah, that's the, that'd be the problem. Yeah. That'd be the problem. You need a bit of like... You're left wing, Dan. Yeah, exactly. But my point is that we just all be agreeing with each other. That is not the essence of a good podcast. Um, you can find that you can find that in another left wing place in North Korea. Um, <laughs> so uh, this week's fixtures: we have the playoff second legs on Saturday. We've got Waterford at Long one all, Cove one 0 up against Wexford, and then Friday night's games: Shelburne UCD, Connor will be there. Maybe Scott from Love Island will be there. The Dock Bows, Cork City, Derry City. Scott from Love Sem- Island's going to be there. Oh yeah, yeah I missed that actually. Yeah. <laughs> Pats, uh, you're, you probably won't go. It might be raining. Uh, St Pat's Rovers as well, and then Saturday Sligo Rovers against Raw United. Thank you as always to our sponsors as as i said thursday 12 o'clock there will be a small number of live show tickets need to move fast and get them we'll be back next week